Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, another week, another parable. We focus today on our gospel reading from Matthew chapter 21. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn there starting at verse 33. Uh, Again, as Pastor Don noted, this is a continuation of a conversation that's happening between Jesus and the Pharisees. And like we heard last week, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of Israel, the, the chief priests, the Pharisees. And this is all taking place on the Monday of Holy Week, the day after Palm Sunday. Also, like we heard last week, we realized this, that Jesus is not first and foremost telling this parable about us. He's telling it about the religious leaders. The religious leaders were the tenant farmers who attempted to take the vineyard for themselves. They were the ones who rejected and killed God's servants, all those Old Testament prophets that were sent to Israel to proclaim uh, the people or, or to proclaim God's word and to call God's people to repentance throughout the generations. The religious leaders were the ones, when they saw the master's son, desired the son's inheritance and decided to put him to death. They rejected the stone, God's own son, but that stone would be raised from the dead and made the cornerstone of God's kingdom, crushing all who deny or who reject him. So Jesus' parable is another parable of judgment against the religious leaders of Israel, and like we heard last week, the chief priest and the Pharisees knew it. They perceived Jesus was talking about them. And although that made them want to arrest and kill Jesus right then and there, fulfilling their role as the tenant farmers in today's parable, they couldn't do that because they were afraid of the uh, the crowds. But in a matter of just a few days, they would find a way to kill the master's son. But it's another week where we're left asking the question, Well, where do we fit into this parable? Let me say right off the bat, we would be going too far if we try to read ourselves into this parable as one of the tenant farmers. Again, that was Jesus referring specifically to the chief priests and the Pharisees condemning the the long-standing history of religious leaders rejecting those whom God sent to bring God's word. But that's not us. Instead... If we are to find ourselves anywhere in this parable, we should look no further than the vineyard itself. And this is a crucial point for us because we notice how it is the vineyard becomes the vineyard. Jesus spends an awful lot of time, actually, a lot of detail at the beginning of his parable describing this. He says there was a master of a house who who planted a vineyard and and he put a fence, a a wall around it to protect it. He, He dug a wine press in it so that it could always be fruitful. He built a tower in it so that he could keep watch and protect it. You might notice that Jesus is intentionally using the same language from Isaiah chapter 5, which is our Old Testament reading today, which again was describing the great lengths to which God went in order to care for and nurture his beloved vineyard. Literally, no rock was left unturned. And of course, that vineyard refers to Israel and how God cared for them, but it also refers to God's people today, which is all of us. Now, the vineyard didn't become a vineyard because of something it did. 
The vineyard is a vineyard because of the gracious creation and care and tending from the master himself. And in the same way, we don't become the people of God because of something we do. We are the people of God because of the gracious creation, care, and tending from God himself. God has made us his own by the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. Not because he had to or was obligated to, but because he graciously chose to. So we don't claim to be Christians uh, because of something we did or, or something that, that we did to have faith. All credit goes, of course, to God, who went to great lengths for us in order to make us part of his kingdom. But there is something that we should consider today, having heard this parable and understanding what it was all about in its original context. And it's this, that even though we are the vineyard and not the tenants, that doesn't mean that we aren't still susceptible to some of the same sin that the tenants fell into. The sins of the tenants were really twofold. There were two main things. First, they assumed their actions wouldn't have any consequences with the master of the house. And that's why they took the master's servants and mistreated them and killed them. They wouldn't have done that if they thought that they would in any way eventually have to answer to the master. And the second sin is that the tenants began to act as if the vineyard was theirs rather than receiving it from the master as being entrusted to their care, but belonging to the master. And that's why they thought that they could take the master's son, kill him and take full possession of the vineyard. But you see, in both of those sins, it was a terrible mistake on their part. They suffered judgment once the master returned. And again, as the vineyard, as the ones who have been made part of the reign and rule of God by the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, we should ask ourselves, hearing God's word today, do we at any time act like those tenants? Do we ever begin to think or speak or live like we won't answer to God for what we do? And do we ever begin to think, speak, or live like everything in God's kingdom, everything that we've been given by God himself, do we ever begin to think that that's actually ours rather than his? And the answer to all of this, and you know this as well as I do, is that we are often guilty of living in one or both of these ways. For instance, as an example, how often do we think of our time the time that God has given us during our week as belonging to him. Do we ever stop and ask God how he'd like us to steward our time? Do we see our time each and every day and each and every week as a gift and seek to use it then in the ways that best honor him and serve and love our neighbor? Or do we find ourselves more often making time forever what we want to do and doing whatever we think serves us best? Do we assume that after we give God an hour or two on a Sunday morning that the rest of the week then is ours to do with however we please? Or another example, how often do we think of all of the relationships that we have in our lives as belonging to God? Do we stop and ask God ever how he'd like us to steward our relationships or what types of people he wants us to be in relationship with? Do we see our relationships with friends and families and even just the people we meet on the street or in the grocery store as gifts from him 
and seek to love and serve those people in ways that honor him? Or do we just spend time with the people that we would rather spend time with and and serve those who are easy for us to serve? Do we assume that we can simply keep the relationships that serve us best are to our advantage and just then forget the rest? And so you see, we can go through everything in our lives this way. We can, we can ask all these questions about everything that God has gifted us in our lives. Our, our money, our material possessions, our talents and abilities, our intellect, our jobs, our time. Anything that we may begin to be tempted to think is ours to do with however we please. When in reality, it all belongs to God. And he has graciously given them to us to steward. This, of course, also applies to our lives of faith, our very place in God's kingdom. We have been given a place in the vineyard on account of the son, Jesus Christ. But do we ever begin to think that we deserve that place and and we take it for granted? And if we do that, do we ever begin to look down on those who aren't yet a part of God's vineyard? And so we fail to share with them what has graciously been given to us. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do we simply keep this precious gift that we have been given just for ourselves and for our own benefit. The truth is, as God's vineyard, we can fail pretty miserably at acting like the vineyard. In all that God has done to create us, care for us, and tend to us, we fail because of our sin. We fail at being fruitful in our lives. But I'll call your attention to the parable once more. What's noticeable for us today is that in this parable, never once is the fruitfulness of the vineyard ever called into question. Did you you notice that? Never once is it mentioned that the vineyard won't produce fruit. In fact, all that is said about the vineyard uh, and its fruitfulness is that the season for fruit drew near, in verse 34, and so the master sent his servants to go and get it. But we just talked about all the ways that we might not be bearing fruit as we ought to. And we also remember, like Isaiah 5 points out, is that the Old Testament vineyard was the people of Israel, God's people. And we can certainly recount several examples in their history about them not bearing fruit for God the way that they should have. Of course, we don't point the finger at them because we as Christians today, God's people today, we know we do the same. But you see, that's not the point of the parable. The parable was spoken against Israel's leader. The vineyard is always assumed to be fruitful. Even in this other verse, later in the the passage in our gospel reading today, verse 43, when Jesus says that the kingdom of God is going to be taken away from the religious leaders and given to a people producing its fruits, it's still not questioning the fruitfulness of the vineyard. It's condemning the faithlessness of those religious leaders. So how can this be? How can Jesus describe his people in the parable as ones who are fruitful, and yet at the same time, as we just talked about, how can we so often fail at bearing fruit? And this gets at the really profound struggle that we all feel in our Christian lives, doesn't it? That we, that we know full well the standard that we should be living up to, and yet so often we find ourselves frustratingly falling short in our sin 
time and time again. How can this be? Well, the answer to this conundrum can only be found in the mysterious and great and unending love that God has for his vineyard. The love that is on clear display in Isaiah 5 in Matthew 21. The love that God had for Israel and the love that God has for you and me. And you can see this clearly in the heart of Jesus' parable. You see, whenever Jesus tells a parable, there's often a kind of a strange or an odd detail that if you stop and think about it, really doesn't make any sense. And whenever you see or hear that, zoom in on that. Because you know that that's going to be something important. It's there for a reason. And I would say the strangest part of this parable is the moment when after the tenants so badly mistreat and even kill the master's servants who he sent to them, the master then decides that the best course of action for him to take at that moment is to send his son, saying, they will respect my son. It's a beautiful moment in this parable. It's also a tragic moment. We think, is the master just naive or blind to what the tenants just did to his servants and think that they're going to do something different with the son? Or is there more than meets the eye going on here? Well, remember, Jesus is telling this parable. He is describing his own purpose for being in Jerusalem that Monday of Holy Week. And Jesus knew what was going to happen to him in just a matter of days. And the son had been sent by the father for the sake of the vineyard. The father wasn't naive or blind. The father knew full well what was going to happen to his son. That his son would be rejected and killed and thrown out. But the father sent him anyway because of his great love for the vineyard. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God created you. He cares for you in providing you everything you need. He tends to you and your life every single day. And most of all, he gave you his son, Jesus, because the father knows that we all fail at being a fruitful vineyard. But the son came anyway and died for you and rose again for you so that you may return to your father, repenting of your sin and receiving his forgiveness and receiving everything that Jesus was willing to do for the sake of the vineyard. And you do not bear fruit in your life on account of how great a vineyard you have made yourself. You and we all bear fruit in our lives on account of the great love that God has shown each and every one of us. He has made you his own in baptism. He nourishes you daily with his word. He feeds you his supper. And he assures you that at the end, when Jesus returns again, you will not be met with swift judgment that crushes you, but rather will be met with swift mercy and grace that lifts you up. You will be raised from the dead. When Jesus returns and you will be welcomed into eternal life, into God's eternal kingdom, because of what the Son came to do for you. 
And knowing all this then, as you live your life seeking to honor God with all that he has given you, you then do steward your, your, the things God has given you, your time, your relationships, your finances, your abilities, and your faith. But you do all this not to earn your place in the vineyard, but rather in response to being made the vineyard in the first place. Take a look around you for just a moment at all the quilts that are on our chairs this morning. I couldn't have asked for a better example today of of faithful and fruitful people using their time and talents and treasure for God's glory and for loving and serving our neighbors. This is what a fruitful vineyard does. Now, it doesn't mean that the quilters who made these quilts are perfect people, although I think they're pretty fantastic when I go visit them on a Tuesday. But they, just like any of us, didn't earn their spot as God's vineyard. No one can. We are all sinful and unclean. But you see, even though we are sinners, we are forgiven sinners. We are the vineyard on account of what Jesus has done. And he is the one who makes us fruitful. And so the quilters and these quilts, they're examples of imperfect people bringing what they have before God and allowing God to make of it what he wills, using what God has given us, stewarding it for his glory. It's like the squares of a a quilt. We are like the squares of a quilt uh, being sewn and tied together for God's purposes. God blesses our efforts according to his will, not ours, because he is the one who makes us fruitful. Again, not because of how great we are, but because of how great Jesus is. And because of God's great love for us through Jesus and by the work of the Holy Spirit. We seek to be faithful stewards of what God has chosen to give us. And and God has given us nothing less than his own son, who gave himself for the sake of the vineyard so that we might always know that our place in his kingdom is eternally secure. God provides us everything we need in order to bear fruit in his kingdom. And we give him thanks that he has made us his vineyard, his people forever. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.